guys can be seated. And um, I'll dismiss our school-age kiddos uh, to the back with a Mr. Luke, right? Is that right, Luke? They're going with you, correct? High five, High five. okay, okay. Uh, I thought that might be an actual miracle, a graves in the gardens kind of thing there. Um, oh, my jokes. Um, I got a warning, guys. I'm in a really good mood this morning. I'm not sure why. I'm sure it's the Holy Spirit. Um, but I'm a little pep. I mean, got a little pep in my step this morning. And so, um, yes. Um, yes. Uh, thank you guys for that encour- this encouraging music. Golly, to be able to sing together is such a blessing, isn't it? And so, um, and now we're going to open God's word together. Before we do that, um, I want to do a quick uh, commercial. Um, there's no jingle, but it's still a commercial um, for our uh, missional communities. So if you're new here, um, missional communities are, um, are basically our small groups of how we gather um, outside of Sundays. And so uh, we like to say in here that we're really a church of missional communities. And, and what that means is, is we are not simply a church that just has an event on Sunday. What we are is we're almost like a bunch of little house churches or small groups that meet throughout the week and do life together that then come together as one on a Sunday and we worship our Lord and our Savior. And we try to do three things in our MCs, our missional communities. And here's the first. Really, a missional community is really this. It's a spiritual family. It's a first thing, a spiritual family who shares life together. A spiritual family who shares life together. This simply means that we share meals together. Sometimes we cry together. Sometimes we have birthdays together. Um, we, we walk with God. To, we share life together the way that a family shares life together. Second, we're a spiritual family who serves the least of these. Uh, which means we're not a family who exists just for ourselves, but we're a family sent by God to the darkest parts of our world, to serve those people, to love people, to actually make a difference, to make a kingdom impact. And the third thing is, we're a spiritual family who makes space for others to find spiritual family. Uh, There's got to be this mantra in our groups that there's always room for more at our table, right? And so our hope is that we are a community that does these these three things really well. And as we are starting a new year um, in the midst of another wave of all this craziness, right? And we have multiple families out even this week with this. And it feels really hard to get back into life. Doesn't it feel that way? Here's my encouragement as a pastor. Um, If you're new here or you've been here for 10 years, um, get involved in one of our missional communities. You are not going to be known in a room like this. And hear this, you need to be known. You need to be known. So um, saying all that, uh, let me pray for us and we're going to jump in. Uh, Jesus, we love you. Uh, God, you are great. And God, you do great things. Father, wake us up this morning. Uh, Take me out of uh, 
take me out of just my normal, um, apathetic, sometimes uh, sinful place that I can live in sometimes, Father, and, and bring us into the light. Uh, uh, wake us up this morning, Father. Speak to us. Let your kindness lead us to repentance this morning, Father. Uh, let us respond in worship to you uh, through confession, through obedience, and through our lives. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in Mark 3 if you want to turn there. We're not going to go there just yet because i gotta, I got to confess something to you guys. It's nothing too hairy, but it's, it's real. So I just did my big commercial for our missional communities. And um, Luke started uh, this kind of new series last week um, on this idea of this Matthew 6.33, to seek first the kingdom of God. This idea of seeking means that um, you're being intentional. We don't drift towards the things of God. We do the opposite. We drift away from the things of God, correct? So we must seek and then seek first. This must be a priority. And today's sermon's entitled, We Must Seek First uh, Together, because this is not done alone. And, and one, um, one kind of casualty or one uh, implication of the pandemic is this belief that we can kind of like podcast our faith now, right? That I can read my Bible alone, listen to a sermon alone sing songs about God alone. I can text money to people. I can do my faith alone. And that's simply um, not true. But, um, you know, we are in a, a, a Christian school, so I must be honest. I can't say our church. It's a Christian school. Um, uh, we had our group last Sunday. And it was, y'all, if you've been to a, a small group at a church before, you're going to get this feeling. It was 4 p.m. Um, it, it must have been like five degrees outside. It probably wasn't, but I was under a blanket. And hear this, I was in sweats, guys. I was in sweats. Um, there was football that was on, I must also say this. And it's 4 p.m., and it's like, oh, it's time to go be the church. And full confession, right? It was the absolute last thing that I wanted to do. Have you ever been there before? Maybe this morning is that time for you right now, right? It's like, um, it's a blessing from God that I didn't just kill my two boys just now as we're worshiping God. I'm like, graves in the gardens, boom, shut up, Hayes. Um, told you I'm in a good mood this morning, I'm sorry. Um, it, it, it's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? And, and we have to be honest about that. Um, and this idea of our desires come into play, don't they? And I, I want to talk for a moment, really throughout today, about this idea of desires. I read a book recently, uh, some of you read it too, from John Mark Comer, called uh, Live No Lies. And in this book, or maybe the podcast, something I've heard this from him, he, he, he kind of paints our idea of desires in these two ways. We have strong desires, and we have deep desires. So a deep desire is for me to weigh 200 pounds. A strong desire is chocolate. Does that make sense? Um, and, and the issue for us, so last week, it's 4 p.m. in the sweats, looking good, hanging out, watching football. No one laugh at that. That's a true fact. And we're watching this, hanging out, strong desire, right? 
to serve Jason. It's a strong desire in that moment. But here's this. There is a deep desire in every single person made in the image of God. And if you have put your faith in Christ and been filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an even deeper desire. And it's this right here. It's to be known and to love and serve and know others. So in this moment, there is this, this conflict, isn't there? There is the strong desire and there is the deep desire. And here is the problem for a lot of us as we talk about um, seeking first together or even the things of God in general is that for too long we have let our strong desires win and now we don't remember what our deep desires were, right? Listen, if we give in to our strong desires enough, we are literally rewired to walk in the way of the world and to walk in foolishness. And the beauty of God's word is that God's word is reality in a world full of lies. And it's a reality of what will serve our deepest desires, our deepest needs, our deepest wants, our deepest joy. And that's only found in one way. It's found in the way of Jesus Christ. And there is no other way. You can try every single way in this world. Making money, having no money, doing this, doing that, promotions, losing all that. There's no other way to joy an abundant life outside of the way of Jesus Christ. But we have been fooled, have we not? And we have too many times given ourselves over to strong desires and not walked in the truth of the way of Jesus and served our deepest desires. So I've talked to, this is our church, and I'm one of our pastors, and I, and I know you pretty well. And almost every person in this room would say, I want to be known. I want to be loved. I want to know and I want to love others. That's a true God-given deep desire. But the strong desires, and listen, the past two years, only empathy for me for all of us. Listen, we are living in the midst of a, we can't define how hard this time is. We're going to look back and say, whoa, this was crazy. So I, I want to give us grace and I want to give us mercy, but I do want to call us to truth and to deep desires. And the truth is the strong desires of us just kind of withdrawing, I'm afraid as a pastor they're taking over. You know, I just did this commercial for our MCs and that we're a, a church of missional communities, a church of being known, right? A church of these little small house churches. And if we're not careful, we're going to look up and we're not going to be known and, and we're going to drift. But what does Jesus say about this idea of this community, uh, of this family? Let's go to Mark 3, verse 31. It says here, His mother and his brothers came and standing outside. So his mama's waiting outside. And, and in this context, Jesus right now, in this chapter here, you look back, he is doing Jesus things. He is doing ministry. He's appointing apostles. He's debating uh, religious leaders. He's casting out demons. It's a normal Jesus day, right? He's just doing what God sent him to do. And it says here, they sent word to him, him is Jesus, and they called him. And a crowd 
was sitting around him and told him, look, Jesus, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, they're outside asking for you. And he, Jesus, replied to them, well, who are my mother and my brothers? He looked at those sitting in a circle around him. And you see this in the book of Mark because he's trying to just really help us see that Jesus right now is about to make a really big point. And he said, here, pointing at these people around him, are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and mother. And what you see here is the point he's making. Jesus is establishing something huge in his ministry and the ministry that is to come. Jesus is doing a new thing, a new work. So in in the context that we're at, thousands of years ago with Jesus, uh, the family, uh, the household, it's called the oikos in scripture, is extremely important. This family unit is even more valued back then than it is today. And so Jesus is doing this work. His family shows up. The crowd tells him. They're waiting. One thing about Jesus. You know something? People are always waiting on Jesus. But here's why. Because Jesus is not being led by people. He's being led by his father. He is not letting people dictate what the Father has sent him to do. And that's always frustrating people. Because their agenda is not his agenda. His agenda is the Father's agenda. Second, and maybe more important for us today is this. What Jesus says, it was countercultural then, and it's even more so now. He says, here are my brother's and sisters. Here's the point he's making, that he came to establish a new family. Jesus came to renew all things, to restore his creation, restore his people, and through that, and the way he's going to do that is by establishing, hear this, a new family, a new family that would literally be the hope of the world. This family that sticks out as something different. This new family that would go on to literally change the world, right? This new family would be rooted in him, through him, by him, and for him. And there's two things today. There's two points about this new family that I pray that we see today that I, I was praying this week that would somehow massage itself into our hearts, into our minds, and then into our hands the way we live our lives. The first is this. The new family is an essential family. Hear this. The new family, this Jesus family that he came to establish is an essential family. Look back on, on Mark 3. Jesus is teaching these people something. He's intentionally trying to flip their perspective. Like, Jesus, your mama is outside. And he says, no, I'm going to change this for you. Listen, remember, in this context, family is essential. And it wasn't just like a husband and a wife and kids kind of family. Like, these folks did like Thanksgiving family 24-7. 
where it was the, the nieces and the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents, they like were always together. And the family was this sense of security and, and support and many times provided food and shelter for the family. And Jesus, of course, in this context too, these people are, are Jews and honoring uh, your parents is essential for their faith. And hear this, Jesus is not, not honoring his mother. That's not the point here. What he, his point was is that this new family, this new family of God, it's essential. It's essential. He was showing that this new family was as important, and hear this, this is hard to hear, if not more important than blood family. This family was essential. Essential simply means you can't live without it. And we know as this pandemic started, we heard this phrase, uh, essential workers, uh, essential this, essential that. We spent half our time debating what is essential in the world today, right? But Jesus makes this clear. You can have this, you can have that. But this new family, this new family, us doing this together is essential. You know, the new family in our context, seems, and maybe you can agree or relate to this, seems to be becoming less and less essential and seems to be becoming more and more of an add-on, right? And we all kind of pick what's essential. Like we're going to hear the word of God on Sunday. That's essential for us. But being known and knowing and loving and serving others, that's, not, that's an add-on for me. And it's back to this kind of podcast-style church where we see church as a content provider. Like the church, what it really does, it gives me content to help guide my day and guide my week. And hear this. Uh, part of the role of a church is to preach the word, is to preach the way, and to point people towards Jesus. Absolutely. But it's only in the context the church is, of course, we know a people. And the people in a church, knowing each other, is essential. So as I thought about this and, and looked at scripture and, and thought about this idea of strong desires and deep desires, and I asked this question, what are the strong desires, the, the maybe earthly desires that are preventing us from seeing family as essential? Um, and these are fun. Um, the first strong desire that overtakes the deep desire of being known and loving others. This right here. We're just too busy. Amen. We're just too busy. I spent my entire weekend watching Oompa Loompa sink. And so um, Hayes had a play and it was great. But like it was three nights in a row and it was, it's a lot. And that's just like one thing for one kid. We're just too busy. But hear this. I've read this recently. Our budgets... And our calendars will show what is essential in our lives. And I hate saying that out loud. Our budgets and our calendars, they show what's essential to us. I was talking to a person at our church a few weeks ago. And they were telling me they were walking through a really tough time. And, and they're involved in this and that. And they said this phrase and, and it broke my heart. They felt like nobody knew them and nobody cared. He said, people are just too busy. 
And what convicted me when they said this was my life is too busy many times to find the lonely person, isn't it? To find the hurting person, to be slow and to listen. We're just too busy. We swim in a world of busyness. <coughs> I'm not sick, just cough. Where being busy is almost like this badge of honor, right? Um, being busy, I think, stems from trying to please everyone. Was Jesus ever hurried? Who do you want to please at all times? His father. He wasn't, he wasn't around pleasing man. And maybe I'm just speaking out of turn. I am too busy because I want to please everyone. I want to please y'all. I want to please her. Tracy, not just her. That sounds so cold. Golly. Um, I want to please my kids, my family. I want to please, I want to please people. And I will run myself ragged trying to please people, right? Mark 8, 36. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world? Whatever for you gain the whole world is. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's pleasing people. Maybe it's a promotion. Whatever it is. What is the benefit to gain the whole world yet lose his life? And this is the tension, right, of our strong desires. For many of us, we have given in to these strong desires too many times. We have walked in busyness too much. We have said yes too much. And now we're in this state of confusion. We're in this state of like, well, I, okay, I'm not, a state of apathy, a state of uh, exhaustion, right? Just, just too much. This is very complex, and this really requires individual conversation with every person in this room to walk through this. But here's kind of three ways to help us think through how to walk in our, in our deep desires and not our strong desires when it comes to being busy. First, we must think communal. As you're thinking through your life, uh, your week, uh, all these things, think communal. Here's the paradox, is that we need others to help us to decide how we live our lives. We need the wisely counsel and encouragement and challenge of other Jesus people, other new family people in our lives to help us walk in our lives. Does that make sense? We need people to help us walk through this. So we must think communal. Second, we must think missional. Here's a good question. How would a missionary live your life? If you went overseas to China, would you live the way that you were living? I hate this question too because I think about my life and my life is dictated by so many things that when I think about it, are not about the mission of God. Third question, think eternal. What is the eternal impact of my yes? What is the eternal impact of my no? And hear this, friends. We, we tend to like make this way too spiritual and say, well, the eternal impact means I can never rest. No, 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 no. Your rest in him is what allows you to have an eternal impact. 
Or, or I've got to do so many eternal big things, I'm going to ignore my family. No, 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 no. Your greatest eternal impact are the people in your household, right? But we must think communally, communal, missional, and eternal. But our issue is not just we're too busy. It's not our only issue here. Uh, many times, if we're honest, we just don't want this family. This new family, this through the blood of Christ's family, we just don't want them. Here's why. We're just tired of people. We are tired of people. We're tired of difficult people. We're tired of different people. We're tired of stupid people, correct? We all think these things, don't we? I can't tell you how many times I've thought this or heard this in the past few years. I deal with difficult people all day, all day at work. I do not want to deal with them at church too, right? I have enough of that. So I'm coming here to be served, to be encouraged, so I can go back out. And that's partially true, right? In the world, man, the world, the culture, life, social, it makes this so easy for us because we're always told it's us against them. It's the way they think, the way they believe, the way they vote against those people. And then we come to a room like this and we're all together thinking different, voting different, posting different. And it's like, ugh, what do we do with this? Because the world says that we should be separate. Like, I'm not really in that tribe. Jesus modeled for us this new family, didn't he? Because he didn't just pick a bunch of people who thought just alike. Around Jesus was a zealot which means he was like this, he had this great zeal for the people of Israel. And he saw Rome as the enemy. And a tax collector was many times a Jew, was a, a traitor who worked from Rome. So a zealot and a tax collector, it's not good. It's, not, it's red versus blue right there, guys. A tax collector, a zealot, he had rich, he had poor, religious, he had sinners. He had all these people who did not belong together, together with him. And then he says this in John 13. He says, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another another so the people in this new family who you're not just like Jesus says here is the new commandment love them love them hear this as I have loved you I'll never forget uh, this is so funny I remember uh when Jason Taylor got married um year, years ago and uh Luke was doing their wedding and he did this phrase he was like uh he preached Ephesians 5 and he talked about how you how the man is to love his wife like Christ loves the church he said good luck Jason and I'll never forget that him saying that but in this passage right here all the people that like drive us crazy in this new family were to love them the way Christ loved us friends that is impossible apart from receiving the love of Jesus, correct? But here, here, here's the secret. Here's one thing, as we think about dealing with just people in general, right? Here's the secret. 
one of our greatest sources of true and humble change comes from us being around people who are not like us and who are difficult for us. That literally is a gift from God for him to get his scalpel out and do work on our hearts. Too many times we choose the least resistance in the people that we're around and our spiritual maturity shows that. We're only around people who are just like us, who agree with us, who are the same stage of life and think like us and play like us and vote like us and watch like us, who are just like us. And we wonder why we're not growing in joy, growing in maturity. It's because we have segmented ourselves off from the gifts of God of other kinds of people. We need each other. Bonhoeffer says this, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. Welcome to Covenant Church. Your perfect idea of community, if you lead with that, you're going to kill it. But the person who loves those around them will create community. If we just love each other, what God does is this beautiful thing that we can't explain. And I'll say this, us loving each other when we're different might be the greatest apologetic, the greatest sign the church has to a broken world. If we as a people, as the Jesus people, as the new family people, being renewed by him in all things and being loved by him can truly love each other who are different and difficult and frustrating, if we can truly do that in this supernatural way, I promise you the world will take notice. See, being busy being tired of people, they're both those strong desires, aren't they? Don't you have this deep desire to slow down, uh, this deep desire to really love and be patient with people? But I think there's, I believe there's one more strong desire underneath all these that might be the biggest culprit, and this right here, is we want to live in hiding, We want to live in hiding. I know this. Many of us in this room, we are terrified to be known. Not, not scared. We are terrified to be known. And we live this exhausting life showing you how good we are while on the inside we are withering away. Hear this, church. Jesus came for the whole thing. Not just this pretty outside. He came for the messy inside as well. He came for inside the cup. And friends, he loves you, he sees you, he knows you, and he is running towards you, not away. Because Jesus loves you. And if you hear one thing today, hear all things, please. But if you hear one thing, hear this, is that Jesus loves you and you can stop hiding. Jesus does not bring shame. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. We feel unworthy, unloved, sinful, and that if people really knew us, they'd run away. There's many of us in here that feel that way and would never say it. We live in shame over what we have done that nobody knows about. The unseen sins, the big screw-ups, the past mistakes, the past hurts, or maybe you were sinned against Hear this, friends. I don't want to go too deep into this today, but listen, your past definitely informs your present. 
if you were hurt by someone, even if it's just mean words, those things leave a mark, friends, and it makes us and it leaves us in hiding. So here's the deal. We hide and we hide, and here's the problem. If we're all hiding, no one knows the difference. We're just so used to playing hide and seek that we think how you live life now. We show up, we say, yeah, I'm good, man. You good? I'm good. Yeah, all right. I got some struggles here. I just got to work harder. Yeah, brother, I pray for you. And we're gone. If that's our game, then we're always going to be walking in just this mess. And it prevents us from this new family. This desire to hide has been normal for so long. It's all we know. Listen, I get why we hide. Because many times the source of our hurt is what? It's people, isn't it? The reason that we're hiding is because we might have shared something one time or exposed something one time and just people just rejected us or ignored us or forgot us. And here's the tough part. Many times people are the source of the pain. But yet God still uses people to heal the pain. So if we're always hiding, if we're never known, men, can I talk to you for a minute? And I love you. And I'm a man. That's right, I'm a man. I can't fix anything, but I'm still a man. Got a card. And listen, God wants you to be known. I have talked and counseled with enough men to know that many of us are hiding walking in sin and in shame and never want to be known. But hear this. What did Jesus do? Woman at the well. Multiple husbands. Full of shame. The woman caught in adultery. Her own sin. What did Jesus do? Did he run away? Did he see their sin and think, ugh. What about the lepers? The outcasts of society the one that people ran away from. What did Jesus do? So for you today, the adulterer, the pornographer, the cheat, the liar, the abuser, the bully, what does God do? What does Jesus do when he, when he sees the real you? What does he do? Friends, hear this today. Through the beauty of his word and the power of his spirit, he is pursuing you in this moment. And this is the beauty of our Jesus. The world says to those people, I'm done with you, I'm running away. Our Savior, who is perfect and holy and has every right to say that, what does he do? He runs towards you. Church, today you have a strong desire to hide. A strong desire to hide. But I believe in the depths of my soul because I've experienced this. Been times in my life where I didn't confess, where I was caught. I was caught in my shame and my sin. And by the grace of God, there was godly people who loved me and brought me back to Jesus. Not my courage, not my cleverness, but the grace of God and the grace of people. And many of you are in that spot today and God is simply saying, I love you. Stop hiding. Healing is possible. And church, hear this. The new family, the family of God, the family of Jesus, we're called to be those people. There's two things as we're trying to stop hiding that I want to tell you. First, expose. 
Expose yourself. Expose the things that you don't want to expose. Go that extra step, that extra 1% you don't want to go. Expose the ugly parts of your soul. And second, church, lavish with love. Lavish with love. Not sure what to say? Just give them a hug. (laughs) Not sure what to do? Just pray for them. Not sure? Just say, I love you. Lavish with love. If we could be a church today, a people this week who exposed 1% more and loved 1% more, what could God do? We'd walk in our deep desires and not our strong desires. But in Mark 3, we've got one more point that I'm going to stop talking. Jesus is not just establishing a new family that is essential. He, that is part of this. We, this family is essential. But there's one more thing. Look back at Mark 3. He says, who are my mother and my brothers? Looks at those sitting in a circle around him. He says, here are my mother and my brothers. Here's the key in 35. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister. Hear this. This new family is an active family. This new family doesn't sit back. This new family is doers. Does it make sense? This isn't simply a, a family who agrees on right doctrine, right? It's not simply a family who like, likes the same kind of songs or, or gathers in a certain kind of place. This new family is a family of doers. This family is marked by obedience to God. They are marked by doing the things that God has called his people to do. To love their enemies. To care for the least of these. To make disciples. These are the things God has called us to do. And it's the attribute of this new family. We're a community of doers, not simply hearers, right? So here's our strong desire here. This is, this is very clear and very simple. We want to make it about us, and we want to make it easy. This is just like his earliest followers, right, the disciples. Think about them. Jesus is washing their feet, and what's the next story? They're debating over who's the greatest. <laughs> They're making it about themselves. This thought that the community exists to serve me or to lift me up. Make it about ourselves, or we just want to make it easy. The American way, right? Also his followers, in Jesus' darkest hour, he's crying, he's sweating blood, crying out to his father. What are his closest guys doing? Taking a nap. They're taking it easy. They didn't fully get it yet. Listen, this new family where uh, you can be known where you were loved, even though you're difficult sometimes, this is one of the greatest blessings God gives us in this world. Yes and amen. But it cannot be about us or it will destroy the whole thing. The minute community becomes about us, we destroy the essence of that community. So we have this this strong desire, right, to... um, make it about us, to make it easy. But here's what I also know. For those of you in this room that call yourself Jesus followers, that have walked in the way at some point in your life, that are filled with the Spirit of God, 
I believe there is this deep, deep desire for kingdom impact. Right? There's this desire for our lives to be about more than ourselves. There's this deep desire for something. I'm going to be just, just tell you what I, this for a minute. Be real honest here. This is a struggle for us as a church. This is a struggle for me. And here's what I mean. Is, first of all, it takes a lot to just pull off what we do each week as a church, doesn't it? It can be exhausting. We raised a flipping $100,000 for missions as a small church this year. That's phenomenal. I'm overjoyed by that. But I'll just say this with love and with grace. Too many times there are needs in front of us that we're simply not meeting. There are neighbors in my neighborhood where there's needs that we're not meeting. There's poor people that the hub is like arranged for us to love and to serve and build relationships that we're just not doing. There, there are things that break your heart in this world. I, I've talk, I know there is. God has wired you in such, well, there's things in your life that break your heart that God has sent you to do that we're just not doing because we're too busy, we're tired of people, and we're hiding in our shame. But friends, God came to do a new work. And he wants to do a, good, a new work in us. So the question for us today is this. What desire is going to win out? The strong desire that points us away from this new family? Or is it those deep desires? The spirit of God has placed on your soul that you think about and you truly desire, but you know the deep desires come at a cost. Which is going to win out today. So these strong desires, you, you might still want to hide. You might just smile, just hide. You, you might still make it about yourself and going towards ease. You might just say, I'm not going to deal with people. I'm just, I'm not, that, maybe that desire is going to win out. Or maybe the deep desire went out to follow Jesus and to join the essential family and the active family. So here's my encouragement today for us to apply this to our lives. One step. Take one step into a deep desire this week. And for every person in this room, I believe that desire, that deep desire could be different. And I would ask of you, you got a car when you came in. As one of your pastors and our prayer team, we want to pray for you. And I promise you this, if you want to walk in a deep desire in the way of Jesus, you will experience attack. And we as a church want to pray for you in the midst of that. So let us know, what is the deep desire this week that you want to take a step in? Maybe for you, you're going to start to try to not hide so much. Uh, maybe for you, you're going to be around that tough person you don't want to be around. 
maybe for you, you're going to really go serve the least of these, that deep desire. What is it for you that is that deep desire this week? Either way, Jesus is the step in. He is not heaping shame on you today. He is throwing himself towards you today to walk in being known, to walk in being loved, to walk in loving others. Uh, The beauty of this message on the new family is that we end it today with communion, with the family meal. I'm going to invite the band to come on down with us, up, excuse me, um, where we have a chance to walk in the reality of why we are family. That you don't like getting this family through your cleverness, through your good works, through anything, right? There is one way in, and that's through Jesus. And as we take communion, I want to encourage you at your seat to reflect, to talk to God, to to ask him, what are the desires in my heart that you're working on today? And confess those, repent those. Maybe today you need to find somebody and pray with them today. We'll have a prayer team in the back if you want somebody to pray with. But do the work and then come and remember all that Jesus has done for you through the body and the blood. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you for uh, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love for us. Lord, help us to respond today not out of shame, not out of fear, not out of striving to do more. Help us to respond today through simply trusting and knowing and loving you and letting you direct our steps today. Lord, make yourself known to us. We love you, Jesus. Pray all this in your name. Amen. If you're new here, uh, communion, you'll just come. If you're you have to be a member of our church to do this, but you need to be a member of God's church, uh, a follower of Jesus. So you just come, take the supplies, and go to your seat and just take um, as you're ready. So I would encourage you, pray at your seats and come when ready.